What's going on? What's going on, Miss Yancey? How are you? I am absolutely phenomenal and all that other good stuff. Good, 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 good. Extra, extra, extra. Just, uh, you know, kind of riding on that cloud right now because... um, I heard. You know what I'm saying? Bam, 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 bam. Okay. Expanding. Doing the damn thing. Trying okay. to do something. Well, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> not trying. I'm, you know, oh, I'm out here doing the damn thing. You doing the damn thing. You know what I mean? You are doing so, it. Yes. It's, it's just amazing. So we're just waiting for the angel who is. Oh. Do you, have, have you ever met the angel? No. Oh, nope, goodness nope, gracious. Nope. You no, are I in for not. such a treat. A she, composer, look, that's always yes. good to know. A, so a music composer, somebody, you know, can put, because I'm producing a TV project now. We need, we need some music. So, she, hey. Well, she, she is <laughs> some, someone that you definitely want to know. Okay. She has been in the Hollywood game for a very long time, which awesome. is in and of itself, you know, a, a, a monumental feat because that, is a very close and a close knit group of people. Mm. And, you know, men basically is what Mm -hmm. it is. So for her to uh, have been in the business for so long and she's actually thriving, she's amazing. So I'm just waiting for her to come on. Okay. okay. And we want to get this thing popping because we're going to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen, what makes a good story. And, you know, well, you know, let's just do it this way. Welcome to a conversation with, and I am your host, Floyd Marshall Jr., and I am joined by the amazing Tiffany Yancey, a longtime friend. We go way, way back. Yeah, Yes, <laughs> and, and it's, it's been such a pleasure to watch her journey from an independent filmmaker to where she is now with... Still an independent filmmaker. I'm yeah, still, yeah, still, yeah, still, but... Still, yeah. But but rising up that ladder, and there she is, the angel. Yeah, so angel, go. just request to join, and I'm going to bring you up, and and we can get this thing rolling. I came in a little early because I'm just celebrating. Yeah, as you should, as you should, sir. Yeah. Pop some bottles, man. Pop I'm gonna pop bottles. something. I got some. <laughs> As long as you ain't popping no no muscles or no no spasms, no back no issues. Well, like that. we could, that's that's another podcast that we could talk about. <laughs> that is another podcast that we can talk about. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy for you, Floyd. You've been consistent mm. and and making things happen, sir. I'm happy for you. Oh, hey, all right. Hey, hello. Hi. Nice to see you both. How are oh, you? Oh goodness gracious, Angel. Tiffany, yeah. Tiffany, and Tiffany is a phenomenal script. Well, you know what? Tell you what. <laughs> I'm going to let these two amazing women introduce themselves. Normally, I read bios, but with this being, you know, slightly different, I'm going to let these two phenomenal ladies introduce themselves. So, Tiffany, can you start us off? Okay, well, I got to start. Okay, okay. My name's uh, Tiffany Yancey, screenwriter, actress, producer. Uh, been in this film, this film hustle, this game, this 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 grind, uh, ooh, almost 20 years or so, I guess you could say. Started out as an actress, still an actress, but um, transitioned to uh, writing screenplays a little over 10 years ago. So still writing, uh, well, producing as well, produced my own film and... Um, Long story short, I wrote a uh, wrote a script, 
and it got produced by Mega My Media, a Christmas film, Holly Heartbreak. It, it premiered on BET to rave reviews in December of 2020. Uh, it was like Ebony Magazine's movie of the week. It actually, this past November, it was nominated for like multiple awards at uh, the Happy Awards in LA. And the young, uh, uh, the lead actress, uh, Miriam Brassier, she won Best Actress for Holiday Heartbreak. So that was, so it's an award-winning, you know, you know, film that I produce. And um, so, yeah, I, from there, just to kind of, I've just been steady, still writing, producing a new TV project with Megamind Media, a reality project is going to be coming out on Tubi. I've been uh, writing assignments, so I wrote a script for Country Wayne. Uh, who was in Holiday Heartbreak, uh, that should be, you know, I guess being produced sometime this year. And so, yeah, I'm just role. So now I'm, I'm teaching that new ebook because people, since the movie, people ask me about how to write scripts. So it's been, it's been kind of a whirlwind. It's a good thing. You know what I mean? Again, it's, it's still a grind, still a hustle, but I'm just grateful for the experience and um, doing what I love to do. So, uh, so that's the long and short, you know. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Nice. It's on you, Miss Angel. It is on you. (laughs) It's on you. Right on. So, so great to hear about all of of the things that you've done, Tiffany. It's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, really cool. So, I am a record producer to to begin with, way back in the day, back in the 90s. Started uh, making my own sound, and kind of that sound caught the ear of the director of that film, Rhyme with uh, Tupac and Tim Roth. Vondi Curtis Hall was the director of that film. And some of the remixes that I was doing back in those days caught the ear, caught his ear. And they really wanted to, to have me create the sound and, and score the, the film. And then I found out about the politics of what it means to be a film composer in Hollywood. It, and it was really uh, not, not a fun one, not a fun ride. But the bottom line is I did wind up um, scoring part of that film um, along with, oh my goodness, I'm blanking. <laughs> That's, that happens when you have such a long and stellar career. You have, you've done know, so right? much that you, you, <laughs> you, you forget more than what some people have actually done. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, right. Stuart Copeland, who is the, the drummer of the police and is a brilliant uh, musician and, and a wonderful composer, he, he wound up getting hired because Paramount decided that uh, it was more important, or sorry, Polydor, Poly, Polygram, Poly something, Polygram back in those days, really just were like, if you hadn't already scored a whole film, they didn't want you to do it, even though the creatives wanted what I was doing, the, the flavor of what I was doing. So we wound up in, in finding a way to do it so that I could bring what I what they needed me to bring, and they'd already made that deal with him. So it was an interesting collaboration, separate sort of a collaboration, if if that makes any sense, Um, until I wound up doing that one, which is Boiler Room, and I'd scored that on my own. But so I transitioned from from being a record producer and remixer and, and recording artist to being a film and television composer. And since those back in those days, I've scored everything from cable and network television and studio and independent features, documentaries, commercials, um, all kinds of of things that require music to picture. Mm -hmm. And that really is my greater passion. I've also done a bunch of uh, development and screenwriting. So I appreciate the the journey of the screenwriter very, very much. And And then I understand it. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, people don't understand. Ooh, child, it's it's 
you have to love it. Let me just say, you have to love it. You have to want to be a storyteller. And, but yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so thank you. <laughs> yes, I, you know, I, I really get it. Um, I've worked with a bunch of writers. I've written myself, you know, the, the notion of writing and rewriting is writing and, and vice versa. You know, you're constantly going back to your, your the, the written words on the page and mm -hmm improving them. And as my good friend Zoanne Clack would say, you know, she's a, she's a writer on uh, Grey's Anatomy and has been from right from the beginning. She's been with Shonda. And I've been lucky enough to have her give me notes on scripts. And she had learned from a mentor of hers, you know, there was a little kind of phrase of OSB next to certain things. And that meant, or something better. Mm. Mm. I like that. that has stayed with me forever. And I, I feel like it's a great thing to you know, to always keep in mind. And I have the same sort of uh, feeling about creating music. As you're doing something, you know, it's feeling good, but could it be better? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, you, oh, you're constantly tweaking, refining, and just, you know, uh, it's like a sculpting, a, like a masterpiece. You start mm -hmm. with your foundation and you're constantly tweaking and sculpting and redefining <laughs> it and working out the details and the eyes and the nose and you know what I mean? So you're constantly, even up to like production day, you're still tweaking, you know, as you're that masterpiece. Yeah. So yes, it's definitely um, a process. It is. It's an amazing process of, of creating a puzzle and having to figure it out at the same time. <laughs> it's like, yes. it's intricate, heady work. <laughs> oh. So yeah. Yes. Wow. Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media, and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business, but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. Well, you know what? Tell you what. <laughs> I'm going to let these two amazing women introduce themselves. Normally I read bios, but with this being, you know, slightly different, I'm going to let these two phenomenal ladies introduce themselves. So Tiffany, can you start us off? Okay. Well, I got to start. Okay. Okay. My name's uh, Tiffany Yancey, screenwriter, actress, producer, uh, been in this film this film hustled this game, this 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 grind. Uh, ooh, almost twenty years or so, I guess you could say. Started out as an actress, still an actress, but um, transitioned to uh, writing screenplays a little over ten years ago. So still writing, uh, well, producing as well. Produced my own film, and um, long story short, I wrote a uh, wrote a script, and it got produced by Mega My Media, a Christmas film, How They Heartbreak. It, it premiered on BET to rave reviews in December of 2020. Uh, it was like Ebony Magazine's movie of the week. It actually, this past November, it was nominated for like multiple awards at uh, the HAPA Awards in LA. And the young, uh, uh, the lead actress, uh, Miriam Brassier, she won Best Actress for Holiday Heartbreak. So that was, so it's an award-winning, you know, you know, film that I produce. And, um, 
So yeah, I, from there, just to kind of, I've just been steady, still writing, producing a new TV project with Megamind Media, a reality project is going to be coming out on Tubi. I've been uh, writing assignments, so I wrote a script for Country Wayne, uh, who was in Holiday Heartbreak. Uh, that should be, you know, I guess being produced sometime this year. And so yeah, I'm just rolling. So now I'm, I'm teaching that new ebook because people, since the movie, people asking about how to write scripts. So it's been it's been kind of a whirlwind. It's a good thing, you know. What I mean, again, it's it's still a grind, still a hustle, but I'm just grateful for the experience and um, doing what I love to do. So, um, so that's the long and short, you know. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Nice. It's on you, Miss Angel. It is Angel. on you. <laughs> it's on you. Right on. So, so great to hear about all of, of the things that you've done, Tiffany. It's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, really cool. So I am a record producer to, to begin with, way back in the day, back in the 90s, started uh, making my own sound and kind of that sound caught the ear of the director of that film, Rhyme with uh, Tupac and Tim Roth. Von D. Curtis Hall was the director of that film. And some of the remixes that I was doing back in those days caught the ear, caught his ear. And they really wanted to, to have me create the sound and, and score the, the film. And then I found out about the politics of what it means to be a film composer in Hollywood. It, and it was really uh, not, not a fun one, not a fun ride. But the bottom line is I did wind up um, scoring part of that film um, along with, oh my goodness, I'm blanking. <laughs> That's, that happens when you have such a long and stellar career. You have, you've done know, so right? much that you, 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 you forget more than what some people have actually done. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, right. Stuart Copeland, who is the, the drummer of the police and is a brilliant uh, musician and, and a wonderful composer, he, he wound up getting hired because Paramount decided that uh, it was more important, or sorry, Polydor, Poly, Polygram, Poly something, Polygram back in those days, really just were like, if you hadn't already scored a whole film, they didn't want you to do it, even though the creatives wanted what I was doing, the, the flavor of what I was doing. So we wound up in, in finding a way to do it so that I could bring what I what they needed me to bring, and they'd already made that deal with him. So it was an interesting collaboration, separate sort of a collaboration, if, you, if that makes any sense, um, until I wound up doing that one, which is Boiler Room, and I'd scored that on my own. But I, So I transitioned from, be, from being a record producer and remixer and, and recording artist to being a film and television composer. And since those back in those days, I've scored everything from cable and network television and studio and independent features, documentaries, commercials, um, all kinds of, of things that require music to picture. Mm -hmm. And that really is my greater passion. I've also done a bunch of uh, development and screenwriting. So I appreciate the, the, um, the journey of the screenwriter very, very much. And, um, <laughs> and, and I understand it. Yeah, yeah, look, look people don't understand. Ooh, <laughs> it's, it's, you have to love it. Let me just say, you have to love it. You have to want to be a storyteller. And, but yeah, yeah, so, but yeah, so thank you. <laughs> yes, I, you know, I, I really get it. Um, I've worked with a bunch of writers. I've written myself. You know, the, the notion of writing and rewriting is writing and, and vice versa. You know, you're constantly going back to your, your the, the written words on the page and mm -hmm. improving them. And as my good friend Zoanne Clack would say, you know, she's a, she's a writer on uh, Grey's Anatomy and has been from 
right from the beginning, she's been with Shonda, and I've been lucky enough to have her give me notes on scripts. And she had learned from a mentor of hers, you know, there was a little kind of phrase of OSB next to certain things, and that meant, or something better. Mm. Mm. I like that. That has stayed with me forever, and I, I feel like it's a great thing to, you know, to always keep in mind. And I have the same sort of uh, feeling about creating music. As you're doing something, you know, it's feeling good, but could it be better? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh you're constantly tweaking, refining, and just, you know, uh, it's like a sculpting, a, like a masterpiece. You start mm -hmm. with your foundation and you're constantly tweaking and sculpting and redefining it and working out the details and the eyes and the nose and, you know what I mean? So you're constantly, even up to like production day, you're still tweaking, you know, as you're that masterpiece. Yeah. So yes, it's definitely um, a process. It is. It's an amazing process of, of creating a puzzle and having to figure it out at the same time. <laughs> it's like, yes. it's intricate, heady work. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Wow. Well, you know what? I could just basically sit here and listen to the two of you talk for the next hour because <laughs> th this podcast is about what does it take to make a good story? And for those of you who were fortunate enough to decide that you wanted to come in at the very beginning of this podcast, you just got a mini masterclass for the low, low price of free because <laughs> they both just gave you some amazing tips on what it takes to make a good story. But let's get to it. Mm -hmm. Tiffany, you're, you're primarily a writer slash actress slash producer and Angel, you are more on the music side of the equation now. But as you just said, you've written things yourself. And one of the things about storytelling as someone who is a festival curator, one of the things that I see time and time and time again is your story is not good and your music or your score is not good because oftentimes what people will do is they'll go get stock music, mm. just like stock footage, and they'll just insert as opposed to writing music that fits the overall story, but mm -hmm. more importantly, the scene. Mm -hmm. So either one of you can take, but before we get to that, someone just, I just want to put this out there. Someone asked the question, what inspired these ladies to go into their respective fields? So we'll we'll get to that after this question. So for the both of you, what does it take to make a good story? Besides what you what you've already just told us so beautifully. You you take that first, Tiffany. Oh, okay. Honestly, a great story is something. Well, first you have to. It has to be an idea or a concept that for all screenwriters, it's like we all have like an idea. I started writing because as an actress, I just felt there wasn't enough opportunities for black women um, on screen. You know, I love comedy. That's kind of like my lane. And I just had ideas. I just had ideas and things that I wanted to see represented for black women. And there's stories that you know, that would represent me, you know, that's relatable to me and then women like myself. And um, so that's why I said I wanted to write things that that would connect to a specific audience. And I just felt that there was something missing, you know, as I was like doing my research as being an actress and auditioning and looking what was on TV. And um, 
And at the time, this was like back when, like, when reality really came out was like huge. It still is, but it really hit the airwaves and and um, and the representation of like black women being kind of like angry, we're always fighting each other and throwing drinks in each other's faces. I was like, that's not. We're all not like that, you know. I'm like, I'm I, I'm the I'm a goofy chick. I have fun. I, you know, like my friends aren't like that. So so I wanted to tell stories that were realistic to you know to show it another side. So I think if you connect and you have an idea for a story that's relatable to yourself and something that comes from your heart, you know, find something that you, a story that you haven't seen before. And that's like essentially was kind of like the motivation for me to write Holly Heartbreak. It was a story that it was, it came from a conversation I had with my father. It was a real conversation. It was called Chasing the Butterflies initially. And it was about a woman who was cursed by her father's past indiscretions, you know what I mean? And it just came from a conversation. And I was like, well, I've never seen anything like this on TV. And I was like, I'm going to write this as a movie. And so actual stories is actually just come from anywhere. And if you had that idea, you know, if you're a screenwriter or somebody, if you had this idea in your head and it will not leave you alone, it's like you constantly, it's constantly in the back. Like we have these ideas that kind of fester in our minds. And, um, and those are the stories that you need to write because it's there for a reason. You know, it, it touches you and you know that you're passionate about it. Those are the type of stories that you should write. And, and that's what really makes a good story because you're now putting yourself into this story. You know what I mean? And you're going to make it relatable. You're going to make it, again, you're just going to make it something that is just something you, you want to tell. You know what I mean? Try not to follow the trends. Of course, you have to know what your genre is and what's marketable, but also, but you have to be passionate about the story you want to tell. So, I mean, you start from there. So I would say start from there, have come up with a good concept and, and then just creating really interesting, complex characters, you know, flawed characters. You have, you have your protagonist and your antagonist and what do they want out of this? You know, what is their goal? What is the conflict that's going on? And what is the message that you have, you know, uh, that you want to tell the world? You know, I mean, you have to have a message. And and when you kind of put these things together, that's really the components of a really, you know, great story that's going to evoke emotion. And it's going to take people kind of like on an emotional roller coaster ride. They're going to want to see, it has to be interesting. You got to be, it has to be conflict. You know, we got to see some character arcs. They got to start one way and they're going to transform into something else. So all these are all different components that make up a really great story, great dialogue, great scenes. Um, so it's a mixture. It's not just one specific thing, in my opinion. I think it's just really just about it's like when you're making a delicious cake, you have all these, these ingredients, you know, that you have to have the right ingredients to really make a great story. So, but at the bottom, at the base of that is your passion for it because writing a script takes time and you're going to get frustrated. It's going to get difficult. And so if you're not really passionate about this idea, this concept, you're going to quit. So that's the main thing. Like you need something that's really going to drive you. Say, you know, I have to write this movie. I have to write this story. This message needs to be out in the world through hella high water. I'm going to do it. So that was kind of like my motivation for my film. I was like, this story will not leave me alone. I have to somebody's gonna make this film somebody's gonna make it i don't care who where what how it has to get done so when you kind of have that mindset and you push forward you're gonna put your all into creating a, a dynamic story so uh, so yeah i'm sorry it was like a kind of like a 
long drawn out answer. Well, but, I hope that um, I hope people was taking notes because guess what? You might have seen me with my head down. I was over here. Jotting yeah, down notes. um, listen. I mean, because that's what I, I started since the movie. I started teaching people, which wasn't kind of like something I was planning to do, but so many aspiring screenwriters have reached out to me about how to develop their scripts, how to put together a good story. So I've started teaching uh, classes. I'm working on an ebook, And I said, well, let me take all this knowledge that I have and experience and just put it down into this book and start teaching people. And, and another thing is just, just start reading scripts. Start reading uh, scripts of movies that you really enjoy. The genre that you, if you want, if you, comedy is your lane, start reading comedy scripts. And and just reading all different different ones, but you really have to kind of fine tune your skills and find out how to write a really uh, dynamic script and what are the elements of that movie that why do you like that movie so much? You know what I mean? And study that. So those are things that will now make you uh, a better storyteller. So um, so yeah yeah that's the the main gist of you know creating a good story. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> well, well said and well, well broken down. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I think, you know, most people think they can write until they start trying to write a script. Mm. Yeah. Like what's entailed, and it isn't just a matter of being a good writer. It's, it's actually, you know, there's structure, um, structure to diff the different kinds of things that you can write. I mean, I started in at a point where I was helping to develop uh, a script and a, and a series. And um, and so that pilot script is a really is probably one of the most difficult things to really get right because you're not just telling a closed ended story you're mm. also setting up an entire hopefully five season seasons yeah you know, so there's so much that goes into it you know really trying to avoid all that exposition and and just getting like you say all the conflict and and all the dynamics into that script it's it's a it's a big job. And I, I really do admire, you know, the great writers out there because it, it is really not, not easy to get that right. But yeah, so that, that's on, on, the, on the, that side of my life. When it comes to putting music to those wonderful stories when they get made into film and television, you know, I work really closely with my colleagues. So what, in film, it's usually the director and in television, it's usually the producers because it's a producer's medium, usually the showrunner. And, but there are always, you know, other voices that I need to pay attention to. So if it's television, it's a network and a studio and it's multiple producers as well as the showrunner. And, you know, ha being able to really support the vision of those creatives is my job. You know, when I make records and I make them for myself, I can do whatever I want. Uh, you know, uh, whatever crazy left field kind of thing I want to do or whatever I'm, I'm, I'm feeling at that point. But when it comes to working as a composer, my job really is to serve the picture and to serve the vision of the creatives. So it's really important to me to understand the intention. And, and Floyd, you kind of mentioned about like how music works, not just as a whole in film or television, but in, in a scene. When we do what we call spotting sessions, and that is once pictures locked, that's when we have our big meeting, which is a composer, usually music editor, picture editor, mu maybe music supervisor, and various producers. In television, often the director is not necessarily involved, but they can be. But it's a, it's a big collective of us that go through the, the, either the episode of TV or the film, literally from first frame to the last frame. And we look at every single 
instance in which music will be in a scene. And that could be not just score, but it's also all of this, what we call source music, which is licensed music that might be part of the narrative. Or it may just be, a, you know, something on the radio while a couple of characters are talking about something unrelated. Um, and we basically nail down what every single moment, every cue needs. And so sometimes the temp music, which is a temporary score that they put in just so that they can, they can actually watch it and get the sense of it. We discuss every piece of temp music and we discuss the likes and the dislikes. You know, do you love the instrumentation? Yes, I love the instrumentation, but I don't really like the tone. Or the tone is right, but the instrumentation is exactly what I don't want. It's way too orchestral. We, that's too big for us. We need something more electronic or we, we want something still a bit more traditional but not as big or it's too small or all these various things that we talk about in great detail about how we come in and how we kind of ease in underneath dialogue in a scene so that you're not hearing it you're not kind of aware of some oh, here comes a cue you know sometimes you need that in a big montage sequence you might need you know, the music to be leading, there's no dialogue and you're just watching things and the music is just banging it, sitting on top. Other times you really need it to kind of sit back and and really be, it, it's really of the world, you're helping to create the world. And so your job isn't to go, hey, listen to me. You know, your job really is to is to be part of that world and to create some ambience and to create the feeling. Sometimes to just really work all the nuances of, of the scene. You know, there's so many moments that I see, I work to picture and not all composers work this way, but I'm really, you know, that's where the magic happens for me as I'm watching um, all these little micro expressions of, of, a, of an actor, all the little things that happen, these, these nuances that I want to capture and that I can do subtle things behind so that again, I'm not going, hey, you know, what I'm mm -hmm. doing kind of like this, like a little support underneath that is changing and morphing and doing all kinds of things that that support the action. And sometimes, of course, it has to be big. I've scored things with, you know, SWAT surrounding a building and attacking and, and bombs going off and all kinds mm. of stuff. You know, so I, I've, I've scored everything from like really high drama to uh, to more to smaller more character driven projects that and those are the ones i really love because you can do such again really nuanced work you know where it's it, it doesn't it, it just has to kind of fit like a glove to what's going on mm. you know that i talked to you about floyd last time we spoke was uh, and and i hadn't really talked about it publicly because it it was not finished yet, was a, a short film that I, that I recently scored for uh, Craig T. Williams and director Yusuf Mays. And it's a, it's a character study. It's a, it's a really beautiful story about a father, uh, about a mother and son, um, both grown-ups. And it's very emotional and it takes place in a, in a day, in an afternoon. And it's all very kind of poignant dialogue and how, and, and the dynamic between these two characters. <laughs> and so the score really had to just kind of, it had to work with them and kind of shape and do things around them. And it was very organic. You know, sometimes I'm hired to do very, very cutting edge score. Um, this didn't require that. And it was really lovely. It was lovely to do, uh, you know, score that was driven by clarinet and 
uh, harp and piano and, and cello. Mm. You know? That sounds soothing. That sounds just like, just, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. The music, I'm telling you, can set the tone. You just have an image and the music playing and then you just feel like you just melt. <laughs> so yes, yes. Music is definitely a key factor. Um, it is, and it can be. It can be way off target. I mean, there's yeah. Times when you'll watch something, and the music will be so distracting that yeah, it, oh, man, this ruins the whole. It just ruins the whole, <laughs> the whole story. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, let's talk about that because you know what? I don't know what's going on, but lately, I've been watching films and television shows where the music is overpowering the dialogue. And actually I was watching something last night and it, it was a really good scene, but the music was so loud that I could barely hear the character talking. And I'm saying mm -hmm. to myself, that's actually taking away from the story because now you're taking me out of the story because yeah. I'm straining, distracting. To, I'm straining to hear the, yeah. the, uh, the actual dialogue. Mm -hmm. So when did that change where, but before we get to that question, as an independent artist, Angel, you just laid out some very intricate inner workings of how a major motion picture in a television show is scored, where you, you have to sit down and basically have meetings and collaborate. So what would you say to the independent artists with a much, much, much smaller budget? They don't have a big team that they need to talk to. Would you still recommend, and, and I know the answer for me, but mm -hmm. would you still recommend that the director, uh, the editor, and everyone else involved in putting that film together sit down with whoever they're going to have score that film and just have an, a, a conversation and actually sit and go through each frame of that film to see, okay, well, you're the person we're going to hire to do the music for this. And, and this is the tone we want. This is the feeling we want. As, as Tiffany just said, the mood that yeah. we want. So what, what would you say to an indie? Cause, cause a lot of times you just don't see it. Like I said, they'll just throw something in there and be like, yo, it's going to work. And you're sitting there saying, yo, that doesn't fit. That doesn't, you're looking at the scene. You're like, now, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. These don't, these don't add up like Sesame Street. One thing doesn't belong together. These things don't belong together. So what would you say to an indie artist? Well, here's the thing. So there's, there's a, a couple of different schools of thought about, about how music winds up in, in a film or a television show. And on the independent side, you know, just because the budgets are smaller doesn't mean that you can't still, you know, use the same methods to get what you want. And I think it's very important, Floyd, like you were saying, for that discussion to happen especially once it's shot. I mean, some directors though, you know, look for music to shoot while, you know, to play while they're shooting and mm. they and they want to be inspired by it. That's all well and fine, but really once picture is locked, that's that's when you can see the the ebb and flow of something. So, yes, anyone can write a bunch of music and like give those stems to a music editor and let them cut it in and and some major motion pictures are scored that way believe it or not i don't i don't think that, that you ever really get the benefit the, the full benefit of having a composer when you work that way but having said that you know it 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 works it can work 
again, I think it's down to the team, really. But I feel like for any, any up and coming director, specialist, let's just deal with film. So I think it's really important for a director to kind of think about what their aspirations are, what they'd really like to hear. And, and again, you know, I think a lot of up and comers are very, they're very um, dependent on something that, that they think is going to make their film seem really expensive or sexy in some mm. way. And often they'll, you know, if they're not careful, their picture editor, who was the first point of entry for music in, in film and television, um, will temp with enormous orchestral cues from big movies. Well, if your movie's a small character study and it's all kind of interiors and it's really not one of these grandiose kind of stories, this huge thing, you don't want a huge piece of music, like you were saying before, kind of dwarfing your, your picture, you know, really just taking over from uh, the, the beauty of the performances and, the, and those beautiful words that Tiffany might be writing, you know, that you want to hear. Um, one thing I want to make sure everybody understands is that the composer does not do the mixing of the music and dialogue. That is done on the dub stage by a, a mixer, a re-recording mixer. And so all of my music and my stems, which are all broken out, go to the dub stage, usually via a music editor. And then it, it becomes part of the overall mix, which is the music, the dialogue, and the effects, the sound effects. So those are not within the control of the composer. The only thing I can control <laughs> is I give to the dub stage. And I do my own mixing. I do my own everything, arranging, writing, producing, the whole nine. So I know what is going to the dub stage has, has the uh, integrity that it, that it should have. But once it, it goes to the dub stage, it is out of my control. Mm. So when you listen to something like you did last night and the music is just overtaking, that's not the composer. That's, that's the choice of everybody on that dub stage. And it could even wow. be of the show that decided that they really want it that way. I sometimes hear that too, and I'm a little surprised at, at how people mix. Other times it's the opposite. The, the score is so buried that it does nothing. It's mm. just kind of like a noise in the background and it's mm -hmm. actually more distracting for that, for being too quiet. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, but it's a process it's, and it's a big collaborative process. Mm -hmm. So um, I hope that and it might have answered you in a lot of different ways. No, it, it, it definitely answers. And it, and it leads to my next question with Tiffany. As the writer and now producer, and you, you now have your hands in, in things, you know, let's just, you know, talk about your, your film, which was, if you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, you need to go watch it because it's beautifully done. It's, it's, it's well shot. And I loved it. My, my wife loved it as well. What do you do, you know, if, if you're because you're you're working for a production company and it's a script that you've written. But you may not agree with. The way the score is, because you're saying, you know what, although the written word is telling the story, the music is telling the story as well. I'll give you an example. When her father had to go see Lisa Ray. Mm -hmm. and they were having the talk 
And Lisa Ray was asking him some questions just before he left when everything started going the way it, it did. I'm not going to give too much away because I want you guys to go see it. <laughs> but I could I could just have imagined having the wrong type of music in that scene, which would have totally ruined it. Because for something like that after, well, I can't even say that because I want people to see it. But when he gets to her house after having made the decision that she is the person that I need to see in order to resolve this situation. How, how did you guys go about deciding what would go where as far as the music goes? Because again, dialogue is very important as a, and as a former screenwriter, dialogue is extremely important, but music adds another layer because you could have a character say something and then they get quiet and that music comes up and, and it, it just has you bubbling and crying because it hits you vis viscerally. Mm -hmm. It hit you like a gut punch. So yeah. when you're, when you're filming, what, what, what's the process with that? When you finally get to that point where it's locked and now you guys are going to, you know, go uh, add well, everything in. So what's that process for you? Well, honestly, as a screenwriter, I have no control over that. Mm. So, you know what I mean? So people don't understand, like, the, you know, how this works is I write a script. It was, it was you know, they purchased the script, the produ uh, production company. They have now total control. That's up to the director, the EPs, and they hire the production company handles that. I have no say in what type of music or uh, who was cast. I, you know what I mean? So... So we have to be, you know, I don't, as the screenwriter, you know, we, you know, you have a specific job is to, I mean, honestly, it was great just to be on set because in, in, in Hollywood, you know, norms, usually the screenwriter's not even on set. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's now, it's the director's lane. You know what I mean? That's the director. He is, so I kind of like, but the good thing about Mega My Media, um, I have a great relationship with um, Tress, uh, Tressa uh, Smallwood. So I was on set. I was able to actually I helped out in other departments. So she kind of like, uh, you know, of course, includes she includes the writers in the, the process. But in terms of decision making on set afterwards, I have no say so in any of that. And that's on, that's how how the process is when you're a screenwriter. You don't you're not unless you're like an EP, like you are an executive producer and you put money up to mm -hmm. invest in getting the movie made. Then you have some say so, but I, I, that that you know I did not have any say so in any of that. So I'm just glad mm. it came out. Look, at this point, you know, as a screenwriter, you just have to be happy that your film was produced. You right. know what I mean? And somebody picked it up and was you know produced for a network. So again, it's that's out of my hand. So that's what you know. Sometimes it's a misconception. I don't know. My phone keeps going out. That the writers again, we have you know, what I mean, we have to stay in our lane. So I sell the script to the production company, and then what they do with it, that's 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 pretty much it. <laughs> now you so. know what, but you know what, that's that's phenomenal information, and that, and mm -hmm. it, it, and that is exactly why I answered asked you that question because I needed people to understand that on both sides. Yeah, because you both basically said the same thing. When it gets to a certain point, it gets handed off, and I have nothing else to do with mm -hmm. it. And, and I wanted to really bring that to the forefront because here's the thing. And I need anyone who's a screenwriter on this feed right now that's listening. I truly hope that you took that to heart, that you cannot be so married to what you've written 
and what you've composed or scored so that when it gets handed off, because it's at the end of the day, it's called show business. business. It's not called right. show feelings. And ain't yes. called show feelings. Hey, everybody, it's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment, and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode. To your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. Ladies and if gentlemen. you want to have control of that, that's where you take your script and you produce it yourself. You know, right. so you know what I mean. So then you can do what you want. You can pick the director. You can be in the. And so that's when you know. So, but when it gets to the point where a network is involved and they, you know, produce your project, you know, what I mean, you have to know when to step in because even there were notes. There were notes mm -hmm. that the producers had. Notes that the, that BET had. You know, we changed character names, change scenes, and I had to just go along with it because at the end of the day, I'm looking at the bigger picture because I could have easily been like, no, I don't want to you know, change anything because initially this was just a regular rom-com, but I, we changed it to a holiday film. And, I, and the producer, you know, Tress came to me and she said, well, they're looking for Christmas movies. Can we turn your script into a Christmas movie? And I, I said, hell yes. <laughs> what do I need I, to do? And you know what I mean? It's because at the end of the day, you know, I could have easily said no, and then I wouldn't have a film produced. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So as writers, that's, I really want to emphasize that, you know, you're, you, at the end of the day, you want to get your film produced. And, and you have to be willing, they, producers want to work with writers that are willing to compromise, that aren't too difficult. You got to set your ego aside because you can sabotage your career before it even starts. So yeah. you have to kind of learn to humble yourself, because especially if you're new, you, you know, you want to start building your relationships and you want to be able to produce more work. This is just one script that I wrote. I have tons more that are coming, you know, but because, you know, I was willing to adjust and, 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 and compromise, you know, now they know, oh, I can work with Tiffany. She can take notes well. She's a good turnaround time and she's not being too difficult. She's not arrogant. She's not, you know what I mean? They want to work with people. And I'm sure Angel kind of like in this business, you, you're building relationships with people. And um, so, of course, you have to, you know, know when to choose your battles, you know. But at the end of the day, I'm not the executive producer. I did not put up money to have my film made. So I have no say-so over the bigger picture. So, and, and also, too, I don't get residuals. A lot of people ask me, do you get, I do not get residuals because I was not an executive producer. You know, I get a, a one lump sum. They bought the, the script for one amount and they own it that's their movie you know so of course i get credit as the writer but other than that that's their it's their film it's it's, it's mega my media uh film so i so we you know there's a you know people again they don't know that side of the business so i just wanted to kind of make sure i put that out there so when you get into this you know you gotta have to understand that this is like like i said it's a business you are a providing a service you're selling a product your script is a product to sell and yeah. you're providing a service as a writer. And you want to be able to, you know, you want to stay on your project because they're going to have notes and changes. But just to let you know, if you have write a spec script, they're going to be changes. And 
if they give you notes and you don't want to make changes, they will buy your script and they will hire another writer to make those changes on your project. Yes, they will. They will do that. You know, yeah. or they just won't make it at all. They they'll pass the okay. Well, she's too difficult. We'll go into another project, and then you just lost out on an opportunity. So so I just wanted to make sure I you know let's let's be real. I'm gonna you know this is stuff that people need to know if you're getting into this business of writer. Mm -hmm. This is how this is how it works. So yeah. uh, so yeah, back to that original question, Floyd. I have no say so about the music, <laughs> but I was happy with how they put it together. But you know, again, I didn't have any say so on uh, on any of that little behind the scenes that i can share with you about please please about television writers too because a lot of tv writers are not no one ever tells them that that they need to learn a little bit about post-production because often the writers are not um, involved in in the post process which is kind of ridiculous um, because at some point all of those writers are especially in television will one day become a producer and be able to show run theoretically their own show. And so understanding the entire process and post is so important because it can make up for so many issues that come up during production that you really wanna be as, as knowledgeable as you possibly can be. So we got to a point when I was scoring Hawthorne, which was Jada Pinkett Smith's show, you know, Glenn Mazzara pulled me in to replace the original composer when he took over as, as, Glenn, as um, showrunner in season two. So he's got a great way about him and very, very inclusive in terms of just how he works with writers. He's, he's just a super right on person. And he had me in tone meetings to begin with. So I actually got to really see what the intention was with each scene, even before they shot anything, which is great. Mm -hmm. And it's very unusual to, for, for composers to be invited into tone meetings. But that was a great thing. And then while I was working on the show, there was a point at which Melissa Silverstein, who, who runs a, a weekly sort of newsletter, uh, it's an online resource for women, it's called Women in Film. And we just, we were going to do a, a piece together, a piece about what I was doing as a composer. And so as that came up, I thought, you know what, I could just do something about myself, but we had some great women writers on the show. And so I asked Glenn, I said, you know what, who would you put me with that we could maybe just interview each other? So it's not just about me. It's not just about the, the score. And so he recommended um, a, a couple of really fantastic women. And one of them was Erica Shelton, who's since become a showrunner. She, she was a showrunner on Being Mary Jane. She's an incredible woman and, and I, I love her. And so she and I wound up doing that. And then I said, we were, we were doing, we were actually uh, on the dub stage mixing one of her episodes. And so I said to Glenn, can, can Erica come to the, to the stage? Cause I'm always on the dub stage. That's also not, not typical, but I, that's part of my process as somebody who's technically involved in all of my work as well as creatively um i'm there to, to just serve everybody's vision i'm not there to say oh my music's too quiet mm -hmm. you know, none of that nonsense um i'm really there to troubleshoot and help uh, in any way i can but I, I felt like it was a great opportunity for erica to be able to be on the stage because generally the writers are not and he was like sure yeah good idea so you know it was the first time i believe that erica was actually on a dub stage and I was like, wow, it's just so fundamentally like obvious to me that that should 
be the case. But, you know, a lot of things about our business, and this is why I share it, is that a lot of these things don't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And no one even thinks about them. And so someone coming in maybe thinks that they're going to have a particular amount, like you were saying, Tiffany, that they might have some control over something Mm -hmm. where they won't have that control at all. Every now and again, it's kind of nice to be in a position to sort of suggest something like that and, and actually have someone that you're working with be cool enough to say, that's a cool idea. Sure, mm-hmm. we should do that. Why not do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the good thing, like I said, you know, the director, shout out to uh, Charles Jones, who was the director of Holiday Heartbreak. I knew Charles. Again, you know, when you are, he, he, he does, uh, he edits for Mega Mind Media. So he's the, he was an editor and now he had a shot at directing. And so I already knew him previously. So we were already very cool. So it was like, I found out that he was directing. I was like, ah, what's up? You know, so we're on set. So even then, since we already had that bond, that relationship, he even asked me like, okay, what'd you think about this scene? You know, because, and I'm sitting with him because again, the good thing about, you know, this production company is black owned, black, you know, black woman owned. She is about giving other, you know, opportunities. So it's not just me being one day, if I wanted to direct, or produce, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on set and I'm learning. So I was sitting and watching and watching him direct and, you know, taking it all in. So yeah. again, like you said, you know, these are, you know, opportunities typically that you wouldn't have the norm is the writer's not allowed to be there, but it's just like, if, you know, I don't want to just limit myself. I'm not just a, a writer, I'm an actress, I'm a producer, you know, maybe one day if I want to direct, I had the opportunity firsthand knowledge and and talk with somebody and and that's the best way you're going to to learn so so yeah some of these industry you know norms and things are not normal (laughs) they're not normal right because it's not normal and it's just like you know the how else are you going to learn if you want to progress to a producer or produce your own film or be a director you have to be on set and 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 people have to teach you there's no there's books but the only way you really is, is hands-on, you know, yeah. is hands-on knowledge. So I right. was grateful. This was a great experience because these are all people I've worked. I worked as a casting associate on other Mega My Media productions. So that's how I built my relationship with Trez and pitched her my project. And then mine was produced. So I was already, you know, working in other areas as a, you know, because I was an actress. I knew a lot of actors in the D.C. area. I came aboard and worked as a casting associate on tuber films before I was mm-hmm. the writer. And now I'm going to be, you know, producing her TV, her reality project and, and producing, you know, some upcoming films because now she even said, she said, Tiff, you're going to be producing some of my films. So I was like, I am. And she was like, yes. She was <laughs> like, yes, I mean? you are. Yeah. You're yes, like, yes, you are. are. Like, I mean, so she, and that's, I'm grateful to her because she sees my, you know, some people, sometimes people will see things in you before you even see them in yourself. Oh, absolutely. And, you know what I mean? So, and I was just like, okay, you know what I mean? I, I'm the type of like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's roll. Let's make it happen. So, so yeah, so I'm really grateful to be, you know, in, and, you know, working with a production company that encourages and, and, you know, about, you know, you know, just excelling to another, another level and challenging yourself. Don't stay in one, one area, try something new because, you know, hey, producing might be, you know, like, okay, I can, I can produce a, a feature film now. Or I can maybe one day direct, but how would you know if you don't have that opportunity to at least, you know, give, you know, give it a shot. So that, um, that yeah. and also something that I was about to mention that Rosetta Tate LA said is relationships because yeah. Angel, what you were talking about with 
you having a phenomenal relationship and being able to ask that question because you earned to ask because you had you had a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And then Tiffany, you basically just said the same thing with Trish from Mega Mind Media. And that is and see that that's maybe another component that oftentimes people don't really look at besides writing a good story and scoring a good story is the type of relationships that you're building with people so that when you're, when you're on a dub stage or maybe you want to go on a dub stage that you've cultivated a good relationship with someone so that when you ask that question, Hey, can such and such join us? but But before you ask that question, just let me say this. Before you ask a question like Angel asked, make sure that the person that you are asking that question for is qualified to be there if that person gives you the green light. Because here's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to put your name on the line and say, well, can can Johnny come lately join us in the dub on the dub stage? And then Johnny come lately comes up there and just jacks Mm, everything mm, up. mm, So you want to have people because guess what? Just because you're there doesn't mean that you're supposed to be there. Yes. People get there through various Ooh, channels t- and different reasons. Mm-hmm. So you just have to have that discernment to make sure that the person that you're basically, I like to use the Donnie Brasco term, the person that you're speaking for, mm-hmm. because that is so important. Because when you speak yes. for somebody, guess what? They are not going to look at the person you spoke for. They're going to look to you. They're going to say, oh, yeah. yo, you spoke for them. Yeah. So let's talk oh, yeah. about that because we're about to wind down in about another 10 to 12 minutes. This is this is just a phenomenal conversation. And I hope people are really, you know, getting a lot of information. But let's talk about that. The building of relationships, because for me, that is so important. That is one of the cornerstones of being able to do what you do in this business, because as as a, a composer and a, and a film scorer and as a writer, you may have to tap somebody for resources. So ladies talk about the importance of building relationships. Well, Angel, I seem like you've been in a business way and have, you know, a lot more stronger relationships than I. So I'm, I want to hear what you have to say. Cause again, I still, you know, building. I know, I know we're still learning girl. Listen to folks who are, you know what I mean? Who are like a veterans in this game. So go on angel. And let me, I'm going to listen to what you got to say. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I built a relationship with Glenn who I mentioned Glenn Mazzara when I was scoring a, a TV show called standoff for Fox, where I was the second woman in 16 years to score a network show f- for Fox back wow. in 2000. unbelievable. It hasn't gotten much better since then the stats, but uh, but Glenn was an EP on that show. He was not the showrunner, but we built up a good re- relationship working together on that show. And when he went to and became a, a showrunner, he wasn't originally the showrunner of Hawthorne. He was he was number two on that show. And that, that's how they talk about the EPs uh, in, in those terms. So the showrunner is like number one and, the, and they usually have a number two and he was the number two. So when he took over, he actually just reached out to me and said, I want you on this. And I, that was great. But that's because he understood what I had done before. And he saw how I worked with everyone. It's very hard to build relationships that are that meaningful unless you can get your foot in the door. And believe me, it is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's particularly hideous for, for women composers. In, in our craft, 
I mean, we still to this day in 2022 represent 6% of all working composers in film and television worldwide. Mm. That wow. is a statistic wow. that really pissed people off enough to change that. Mm -hmm. it, that is so pathetic. It's just beyond my comprehension. And it is not because there aren't other great women who are really skilled and have a lot to offer. It's because opportunities are not being offered. So, um, because of, of the, the structure of the way that that that, that composers are hired, and the, and the shenanigans that go on in terms of um, composers that get hired and sub out their gigs, mm -hmm. you know, five or six gigs at one time, and they have a huge team, and they just sub it all out. Mm. If I were a filmmaker, that's the last thing I'd put up with. If mm -hmm. if if people I want to hire as a if I'm a director, if I'm a producer on something. I want those people to show up. You know, I'm hiring you because you're the right fit for this thing, whatever the craft might be. So the notion to take that gig and think so little of it that you actually just sub it out to a whole bunch of yeah. other people, I find that really offensive. Yeah, oh yeah. And a lot of our industry is based on that nonsense. And mm -hmm. it's really time for every, everyone coming up now, a new generation, a whole new, you know, which is why I love New Hollywood so much, uh, you know, on, on our, our clubhouse weekly room, because we talk about stuff like this and everybody in that community really is just taking a different approach, which is, mm -hmm. you know, you're really great at this. You're really terrific at that. We get along really well. We understand each other. How about we all kind of like think about ways we can work together? Yes. Typical BS that goes on with studios and networks, which is like, here's our list of 10 fill in the blank. It could be directors. It's very hard for, for directors to, even film directors to move into television. Very, very difficult. There's just these small lists that, that are circulated that unless you're on them you, you can't even be considered so and, and actors too especially for network very small uh group of actors that that can be considered for pilots you know it it's stuff that is so i guess antithetical i believe the word is you know to to putting together a great creative team that can do something wowing that can do something amazing that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm interested in, rather than, you know, who are the usual suspects? The usual suspects often phone it in. Don't mm -hmm. give it to them. Yeah, you yeah. So much that they, that they are being offered that you can't get the best out of them, even if you do get them. And sometimes, you know, I do find that, like, when studios push those kind of those choices upon people who are on the way up, directors who are on the way up, producers on the way up, you know, and try to like smoke and mirror them to death with the idea that this huge name is going to like make or break them. First of all, when it comes to composers, there is not a single person I know on this planet who would go and watch something because of the composer. I don't care how big that name is, even if it's John Williams, and I, I love him and he's brilliant. And there's many A-list composers who I mm -hmm. absolutely love and adore and think they're brilliant but i'm not watching anything and i'm a composer and i know people mm -hmm. go watch mm -hmm. them because the angels scored it even if they did what i do it, it's it's really not about that so the notion of like picking a name off of a list because of mm -hmm. is silly it's right. it's not okay right. and really it, it's up to like the creators the creatives nowadays 
to go look for the right fit and make sure that you're going to get the love that you that you deserve when you hire somebody whether it's a composer whether it's a dp i've seen you know i've worked with with directors whose dps have undermined them on on gigs you mm. know you got to really work with people who love you who care about you who are as passionate yes. as saying about your project as mm -hmm. you yes um, bring that passion to everything you do and do yeah. great and yeah. and that keeps feeding the equation mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah a lot of different areas there but i just thought mm -hmm. you know these yeah. are the that i think people really need to know mm, that was that was that was brilliant so tiffany <laughs> you can follow that up if you like i know i'm just sitting here <laughs> like what? wow i mean because it's it's you know, it's maybe because this is like you know she's speaking from the music side which you know i'm you know i'm not you know you know uh privy to or you know educated but it, it sounds so similar to like it's the same thing we're going through the same stuff on like with writers and everything else it's just that again it just kind of just lets me know that even no matter what lane you're in in and not even just the entertainment business but in general this work is just about building relationships with people that people want to work with folks that they like they know and they trust and people mm -hmm. who are reliable who basically part of my French ain't about no bullshit. They're they're serious. No, they're I like passionate. that kind of French. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like for real. Like you know what I mean. And it's just like they are solid. You know what I mean. And uh, you know they are transparent. And that's how like I'm building my name. Like I'm transparent. I'm solid. I've been in this game for a long time. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I say I don't know how to do something, I'm gonna tell you. But yeah. you know my main thing is I'll learn. So and you have to be you know set your ego aside. And, and I have, you know, and again, I can't emphasize, you know, this business, you can be a phenomenal writer, but if you're not getting out here and marketing yourself, this is another part of the business. Like you can have a phenomenal script, but if you are not out marketing yourself as a writer, networking and, and finding ways to get your script in front of producers, it doesn't make a difference how good your script is. You know what I mean? Because you now that's another, you have to go to film festivals. You have to you know, volunteer to be on somebody's production, you know, on their set, you know, try to, you know, build a relationship with the EP. And that takes time. You just can't mm -hmm. expect to just throw your script at them and they're just going to produce it. It doesn't work that way because again, producers want to work with writers. They have to now see how you are as a, as a writer, your personality. Can you take notes? Are you arrogant? Are you an asshole? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so again, they have to feel, we're all, everybody's feeling each other out. You know what I mean? And just like within like your regular life, you know what I mean? I'm not going to just become friends with just any Joe Schmo. I need right. to know, you know, you know, I don't know your history, your background. I don't know anything. And there's a lot of crazy folks in this industry. Yes. So you have to use discernment and you have to be selective. And um, and it just, you know, again, so only thing you can do is be about your, your work, your your grind. You know, mm -hmm. if you say you're going to do something, do it. Be don't person be words. Be a yeah, of and and be willing to learn. Be willing to kind of humble yourself. A lot of people need to set their ego aside and say, "Well, hey, if you have to." That's how I built my relationship with Megamind. Is like, hey, I was willing to come on set and be work as as a casting associate, even though I knew I'm a writer and a filmmaker. I knew I had to get my foot in the door and build my relationship and and work my way in. And that was the you know I'm like here in the D.C. area, like this was the best option because. You know, this is a me mega uh, production company here. Either I had to go to L.A. or Atlanta, 
but this was people that were doing big things here. I said, you know what? I want to work with this woman. This is a black woman doing big things. I want to build my relationship with her. So I said, well, I'm gonna come on set and I'm gonna work as a casting associate. And then from there, I just built my relationship. So if that's how you have to get your foot in the door, then so be it. But there's diff there's no one you know, way to do it. But again, at the end of the day, you have to build relationships with people. You just can't expect just to say, oh, I wrote this phenomenal script and now it's just sitting on your laptop and you're expecting like the Netflix gods just to come out of the, the sky and just you know, grab it from you. Like, no, you have to now yeah. go out there and put yourself out there and let people know what you can do. And so again, it's just about marketing yourself. But, you know, build this relation, this, this industry is 95% is relationships, honestly, you know what I mean? And that's how, you know, I'll say, you know, our other counterparts, you know what I mean? That's why it is, you know, it's so, it, you know, the, the, People like for women and, and people of color, black folks, you know, we can't get our foot in the doors because again, it's all about, they're going to put their friends on. They're going to, you know, mm -hmm. give these opportunities to, you know, it's a boys club, white boys club, you know what I mean? So it's just like, okay, that's how this industry works. So it's like, okay, we have to start creating our own lanes and start working with each other. Yeah. But um, even with that, you know, you have to just continue to build solid relationships with people who know what they're doing you know yes. that's one thing who know what they are doing yeah but yeah, well, that, that 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 is so important that is so key uh again as i said relationships are are such an important foundation to anything that you want to do in this business and you know i i'm a testament to that because this past year has been so amazing because of the people that I've met now, Tiffany, I've known you for years, but mm -hmm. the angel, we just met last year via clubhouse. Yeah. Via clubhouse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've met so many amazing and phenomenal people on there, but we're about to close this out. And, you know, what you just said, Tiffany is so important. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to reiterate that point. Yeah. Business. It's show business. Mm -hmm. And what amazes me is that so often content creators leave that part by the wayside. Yeah. And, and, and what I don't, and I, and here's what I don't understand about that. You get up in the morning, you go in the bathroom, you take a shower, you use shower gel, you use soap, you brush your teeth, you use toothpaste, uh, you use a, a towel rag, whatever you, you eat breakfast, you eat food, you drink water, you get in your car, you go to work or you take an Uber. Every single thing that you use, your cell phone, everything, the clothing you put on your back was advertised. Yeah. It was advertised. Mm -hmm. It was marketed. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was put out there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then when you get to yourself and then all of the people that you admire in this industry, you look at them, wow, they're really doing big things. But when it comes to you doing what they did, to become successful, you don't do it. And I, I really don't get that. So the last thing I'll say is it's a business and you need to treat it as such. So before we go, let us know, ladies, where everyone can find you and what is the latest and greatest project that you're working on right now. And before that, 
ladies and gentlemen, please follow both of these amazing, amazing people. And just let me read this real quick. Rosetta said she'd like more information on the organization that you mentioned, Angel. So Rosetta, you might want to send her a direct, direct message after this. Please be respectful. And RB718, thank you for, for joining us. And on RB, actually inbox me after this because you asked the question about the uh, seventh graders, your students, and, and I would definitely uh, like to give you some information on that. But ladies and ladies, where can people find you and what is the uh, latest project that you're working on right now before we close this out? Do you want to go first? Uh, okay, I'll go real quick. Okay. Yeah. Well, you guys uh, can, you know, follow me on Instagram at I am uh, underscore Tiffany Yancey. That's really the best way to follow me. And even in like, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I've been kind of, I've been kind of, you know, uh, off of social media because I've been so focused on like writing and stuff. So sometimes I got to, uh, I got to like decompress from social media, but I'm on here. I'm on, trust me, I'm on, on social media. So follow me. And also online, my uh, website is tiffanyyancey.com. Currently, uh, I am in development of, like I said, producing a reality TV project with uh, Megamind Media here in the D.C. area for Tubi. So I'm uh, producing that. I am pitching uh, another uh, movie that I wrote for Country Wayne. He's an up-and-coming com you know, comedian and um, wrote a script for him. Hopefully that's going to be coming out, being produced this year. I don't have any dates yet. And I'm, I'm actually just uh, working with a, another, I'm adapting a book to a film. I can't really say who, but it's, it's a great opportunity. And, and honestly, as I have some more films in the works, I can't really say <laughs> right now. It's like, you know, sometimes it's hush hush, but, but also I'm working on an ebook, how to write your script in eight weeks or less. So that is coming out very soon. So follow me and I will be announcing that very soon. I'm working on um, classes, some Zoom screenwriting classes. So a lot of folks have been asking about how to develop their scripts. So, so just follow me on Instagram. I will be posting some things very, very soon. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's what I have that I can really talk about right now. But trust me, there's some things in the work. You know, this business, it's, 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 it's slow and it's like, you know, slow and steady wins the race. So some great things are coming. That's really great. Oh, thank you, Rosetta. She said she loved the shirt. That's right. I'm blessed, 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 blessed. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. That's really cool to hear all that. Thank you. Really nice. Um, I I'm here on on Instagram as the angel dot super crucial s u p a c r u c i a l super um, crucial super. I love that. Yes. Crucial. This comes from my early record uh, producing days and I have a label called Super Crucial Recordings so um, and and everybody got the angel before I managed to get onto every different social media platform so I, I'm in as under different names on every one of them on Twitter I'm just Super Crucial on I, I think on um on Facebook I'm like the angel dot sound clash or some <laughs> angel sound clash something like that i don't know it's just it's a complete pain in the butt but anyway i i am i am here as the angel does super crucial and i'm i'm juggling so many things at the moment so i'm about to release a single which is a remix that i did of a 60 channels track i'm also 60 channels so i've got a, a lot of different recording uh, monikers and this particular track features slim kid trey from the far side like back with we were mm. on delicious vinyl back in the 90s yeah 
some of you are born, just being born. Oh, goodness gracious. Let's not even go there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that was it, my era. Yes, right, 90s. Right. Mm -hmm. The 90s. So this it's just a it's just a cool track and so we're we're just getting that set up and and going to be releasing that in in the, in the coming weeks. I also am releasing a score album for an independent feature that I I scored a while ago that is very organic and beautiful. It was set in the Arizona desert. It is the antithesis of what people know me for on the kind of cool and hip end of things that I've done, including the Boiler Room you know score out score that I I did which was very very beat oriented that's what the exactly what the director wanted that's what i gave him and that's how it works you know it's not about me it's what does what do my creators need for their project i'm also developing a bunch of projects producing on some you know i and about to to get into deep scoring on on a documentary that i'm also producing which is really beautiful so i yeah i've i've got i got my hands full Lots of creative projects that I love. Producing has been something that I've been doing a lot more of. I try every year to do at least a couple of indie, you know, either shorts to, to support women and people of color. I try to do one or two a year if I can squeeze them in. And and so yeah, that's I'm I'm always doing a lot a lot of different things. And of course, I have a lot of experience. So when I'm scoring, I'm usually producing as well. And not just because I want that credit, because I actually bring that value to the table. So it's, yeah, and something I love. I, I really love working with, with up-and-comers, you know, and, and helping them through the process, mentoring, caring enough to, to nurture, you know. So, yeah, it's a, a, little, a little something there. Awesome. Well, ladies, this was absolutely phenomenal. And if, if you guys want to follow me, Floyd Marshall Jr. on every platform. Follow Floyd. And I am yes. so excited because as of today, we will now be on iHeartRadio, my podcast. Yes. We will be on wow. Amazon Music. Yeah. We will be on Audible. And yes, we will Floyd. be on Facebook. So things are moving in the right direction. But yeah. this did not happen overnight, ladies and gentlemen. I want oh. y'all to understand that when you... As the, it's a, such a cliche saying, but it's so true. When you're on your ground and you stay on your ground and you're doing hard work and you're being consistent and persistent, things will happen. So if, if you're doing something and you're getting a little frustrated because things are not working out for you, that's okay. You're still on the right track. Keep it pushing. I'm sure that we could be here for another two hours. Yeah. If we talked about all the shit that did not Oh, work. man, look, I ain't got... I, you know, I know you got to go get ready to get your look, daughter from dance class. So, yeah, I know, I we, we, you know, because we, 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 you know, we going to have to cut this short, but I don't yes. want to trigger anybody because we'd be here for another two hours with that. <laughs> we got to come but, back for another part, too. You know what I'm talking about? But of course, you <laughs> both of you ladies are definitely going to come back because I love this segment. And I just, you know, started this one last month because I said, like, you know what? Instead of just interviewing one person, sometimes I want to get two, three people together yeah, and just that. have basically yeah, a roundtable discussion. Meeting, meeting you, Angel, virtually, and I look forward yeah. to working with you. We we gonna work together one of these days. I'm I'm speaking that into existence. So see you that, yeah, see that. I made a new connection. Yes, I made you a did. new connection. Well, you the Bam. plug, man. Well, that, you are the how, plug. <laughs> well, you know what? That's my goal, Tiffany. My goal, and I know we got to get ready to get out of here. But my mm -hmm. thing is, when people said, "What do you want to do?" and I said, "I want to be a facilitator." And go. that's exactly what I want to do. I want to be a facilitator. So mm -hmm. if someone says, well, I need somebody, I got that person for you. Well, I, I, I need some, I know that person too. Yeah. But again, mm -hmm. so ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Now, let me just say this. If anyone inboxes either of these two awesome ladies who are now very good friends of mine, I need you to be professional and respectful of their inboxes. 
please you. <laughs> do not go into their inboxes saying, gimme, 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 gimme. That is the way this You're gonna business works. Block, 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 block. <laughs> Don't do that. Please be respectful. And if you enjoyed the show, uh, please go on Apple and subscribe. Get those, get the algorithm, as they say, and yep. leave a comment. But you'll also be able to see this on IGTV. And beginning next week, you're going to hear it on iHeartRadio and all them other good places. So, yeah. ladies, thank you so much. And as I be, uh, am getting ready to close this out, just let me leave with you with this. Love it like a hobby, but treat it like a business. All right, now. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining our conversation with Angel, Tiffany. Thank you guys so much. I truly appreciate you spending the last hour with me. Have a phenomenal night, and I will see you guys again very soon. Take care, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Floyd. Bye, Angel. Alrighty. Bye-bye, Boys. guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.